so good to be back here with you. I was uh, doing some work here uh, in this space over the Christmas break, and it was so quiet and empty, and it was, just like, it, was like, it was like the rapture happened. Like, there was just like no one here. There was coffee cups and some trash, and I think a pair of shoes up by the front of the stage. It was weird. But uh, it, it's, just, it's just like our building has been used so much by God over the course of our eight-week existence as a church that to have it be quiet for a couple days felt so weird. And so now to be with you here tonight is really good. And I have a little bit of housekeeping to do. Uh, uh, so as we get started, just so you know, I'm, my name is Jared. I'm one of the pastors here at Soul City Church. And a couple weeks ago, uh, we had a Christmas party for all of our leaders and volunteers here at Soul City. And it was an, it was an awesome time. It was an uh, ugly sweater party and some ugly Christmas sweater party. And it was epic. I mean, it was really like, it was, your, your aunt would be so proud of like her, the way her sweater was represented at this party. <laughs> It was really amazing, and the guys really stepped it up, I'm just going to say. But at the party, uh, Micah, who is uh, our guitarist, one of our guitarists, and has been a part of, he and his wife Anna have been a part of Soul City Church from day one. Because growth is such an important value to us at Soul City, I said to Micah, just, you know, hey, Micah, as you're on break, I have a challenge for you. Would you grow the, like, smarmiest mustache possible? And... If you do, I will give you a $5 signing bonus at our first Soul City when we gather on, on January 2nd, and I will pay you a dollar every day of January that you keep this disgusting mustache. And I kind of gave through the challenge out, didn't think anything of it until I saw Micah today. Micah, would you come up real quick? I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. So there's two wives that are mad. Uh, Micah's because she has to look at him and kiss this lip. And mine, because this is going to cost us some money. But I told you I would pay up. And so uh, in the spirit, I, I took my tithe from tonight. And I, uh, I did not. Jeannie, it's a joke. One, two, three. Now, every day in January, you keep it. You get a dollar. Look at this guy's mug. Isn't that beautiful? We're all about growth here. Thank you, dude. It's well earned. It's well earned. Just wait till Mullet March. Just wait till Mullet March. Once we, once we get into Mullet March, it's going to be amazing around here. So, all right. So I, you know, I had to take care of that real quick. Um, it's good because I like we're just a you know a day or so into the new year, and Jeannie's right when she said earlier. Like some of us are resolution type people, right? Some of us kind of do that. We set goals. Like some people are really, really, really driven about that and really clear about that. And then the rest of us sort of just kind of like you know we have desires, we have intentions. We have ideas, but all of us walk into this space tonight and honestly walk into this year, I think, in a very similar place, regardless of whether you set formal or official resolutions or not. Uh, there's just something about a new year that implies that there's something new about you. There needs to be something new about you. There's just something about this time of year, as everyone around the world celebrates a new year, that it just kind of forces us, whether we write it down or not, to go, okay, what is different? Should something be different? Should there be things that actually change? Or better yet, how am I, where am I growing? How am I any different from where I was or who I was last year? Now again, whether you formalize that or not, I think every one of us walks into this space tonight, walks into this year with that same feeling, don't we? It's a new year. Okay, so now I kind of get maybe a fresh start. And you don't get those a lot in life, right? You get maybe if you move into a new house or you move to a new city. Some of you are new to this city, and so you kind of feel like, okay, I have a fresh start. You know, I can kind of like kind of, you know, sort of work it out here. You get a new job. You're like, okay, this, you know, I'm going to do this one different. I'm going to try this. But lots, that, that, that's only a few things. Every year, though, we have this time that we come around where the new year where we go, okay, something's supposed to be different. Something is supposed to maybe change. Or like we like to say around here, I'm supposed to be growing 
And what we want to do for the next few weeks is to live in that tension because that tension is good. That intention, that, that desire to have your life be changing and what we would call around here growing is good. In fact, that's actually given to you by God. The problem that we're going to face and, 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 and walk through together in God's word tonight is that we, many of us have good or right intentions. We just focus them and direct them in the wrong direction. So we have good intentions, we just put them in the wrong direction. And so tonight, we're going to dive into that. Whether you call them resolutions, whatever you kind of want to call them, we want to get into that tension tonight and see what God has to say for us. Now, I am not one who is prone to writing these things down, to having goals, to having, I'm just not, that's not how I'm wired. My wife has goals for when to set her goals. There are, there's to-do lists for to-do, I mean, it's just, it's how God's wired her, and I respect it, and, and, and I'm Let's just say opposites attract. So that's not necessarily me. But a few years ago, uh, it would be about seven or eight years ago, we were in Manhattan with some friends of ours, a really close friends of ours. And we were spending a couple days in Manhattan. We started talking about life and these big picture things. And it was a cold fall day. And so we wanted to get inside. And, and we went to a place called Cafe Europa. And, uh, and so we kind of tucked inside there. And we, we were talking about big things, right? So we started talking about our life. We started talking about where do we want to be in five years? You know, and this is seven or eight years ago. And, you know, honestly, because I'm not one of those guys that writes these things down, like, we started asking questions, like, no, really, where do you want to be in five years? What would you want to be about in five years? And we were kind of going around. We were were starting to get to a point where we were trying to top each other. Like, we were trying to make our lives that much bigger and more important than the other person's. It's like, well, you know, I really hope that we can start a family. It's like, well, I hope we have, like, five kids by then. Like, you know, people, you start to kind of naturally do that. And it's like, so we got to a point where one of my goals was, in five years, I'm going to be friends with Kanye West. Like, I'm going to be friends. And this is kind of right when Kanye came out, right before we knew how crazy he could get at times. And I was like, no, it's not like, like I'm going to be friends with him. Like, we're going to be buddies, not in a stalker way, like in a friend way. And, um, and I think there were some other ones, but that's the only one I remember. And so, like, and so as you can tell, so what happened for us is we kind of went around, we started saying some things. And then we realized, you know what, we should actually hold each other to these things. Like, we should actually, like, commit each other to this. And I'm like, okay, now they're going to remember that. I have to be friends with Kanye now. And so... So we started writing them down. And here's the cool thing. For the last six years, we've gotten together with this couple, these friends of ours, and we've called these things, we call it Remember Europa, so that we remember that we made this commitment to each other in this cafe in the middle of Manhattan. We say, Remember Europa, and that's what we call our list, the Remember Europa list. And what we do every year is we come around and go, okay, what do I want to be true of my life this time next year, over the course of this year. And some of them are goals. Some of them are just things about who we are. And over the last five or six years, I feel like God has really grown me in that uh, way of having sort of an idea, a direction at least, as to where I sense my life is supposed to be going. But so oftentimes, so oftentimes, what I tend to do, and maybe you tend to do too, is I don't see the bigger picture. I just sort of see the pieces that are missing. And so I try and make sense of what's missing instead of stopping to see the bigger picture. And one of the ways that this, you see this over and over and over again is um, when it comes to uh, puzzles. This is a puzzle that our kids got for, for Christmas. And I think uh, I'm not a puzzle guy. Um, I don't, maybe you are. I just don't. The concept makes no uh, sense to me that you would spend like that much time. And it's frustrating. It's agonizing. It feels, you know it's all there, but you can't get there. Like, you can't put all the pieces together, and then you, you, you do get there, and you have nothing to do with it at that point. You spent hours staring at these pieces, and then you finally get it together. And it's not like, like knitting, where you can, like, wear the scarf at the end of it. 
it's not like you can really like, you know, it's not like gardening where you can stand back and admire the roses. Like you finish the puzzle and it's on a table. That's, that's the only place it's going. And you can't take it with you to show your friends. And if you take a picture of it, that makes you super weird. Like taking pictures of your puzzles. Like they have classes of people like that, right? That's not you. So I don't, I don't understand what to do with these. But uh, it does work as I think a brilliant metaphor. Because for a lot of us, what we do when it comes to sort of these big intentions and desires we have for our life, we sort of look at the pieces that are, are missing from our life and we try and make sense of it and put them together to get an idea of who we're supposed to be or what we're supposed to do. We look at our life and go, okay, I need to lose some weight. Like Jeannie said, there's typically three areas. I need to lose some weight or I want to be in a relationship or be in a healthier relationship or get out of this relationship or I want to kind of do this differently with my finances. And so we sort of pick the pieces that are missing from our life and we, and we try and make sense of that. Or what's worse is lots of times we'll look at other people's puzzles and we go, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to look like that. And so I got to try and make these pieces sort of fit into this idea that I think how I'm supposed to be. Many of us start with that good intention of I know that my life is not as it's supposed to be, but so oftentimes we go about it in the wrong direction. We try making sense of the small sort of fragmented pieces and then we throw the goals out like I'm going to lose 10 pounds this year, I'm going to actually save, I'm going to get out of debt, all of those good things. But outside of the bigger picture, they don't tend to make a lot of sense. And if, uh, if we're honest, they don't tend to stick or last. See, the reason we are so good at making resolutions every year is because we are so good at breaking them every year. True? Like, we're so good at making them and kind of coming to our list because we're so good at breaking them and not completing them and not fulfilling them. And I believe it's not because of bad intention. I think there's good intention just in the wrong direction. I think what we so often forget to do is to look at the bigger picture and go, oh, wait a second, there's a bigger picture for who I'm supposed to be. There's a bigger picture sort of for what my life is supposed to be about. There is actually a who that comes before a what. There's a who that comes before a what. So many of us try and figure out what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to be about? What's my big purpose in life? And we start with what, but really what God is inviting you to do this year is to start with who before what. Who always comes before what. Who is God? Who has he created you to be? What do you do in response to that? It's that simple. Who is God? Now, that's a big, big thing, right? We're not going to answer that in the next 20 minutes. Who is God? But we start there. God, who are you? I want to understand who you are. I want to be in relationship. I want to be close to you so that I can actually know who you are. And the more I know about who you are, the more I know about who I am and who you intended and created me to be, that there is a bigger picture to my life than just the fragmented pieces in front of me or the pieces that I see missing or the pieces that I see in other people's puzzles. God, the more I know who you are, the more I understand actually who you created me to be. And once I begin to understand more of who you created me to be, then I can start to say, okay, so this is what my life is going to be about. Does that make sense? So oftentimes we put what before who, and that's when we get frustrated, and that's when it doesn't work out, and that's when so oftentimes, or whether they're resolutions or life goals, relationships, or whatever it is, so often the reason it hits the ground, the reason that it gets run, like you know, it stops dead in its tracks, is because we didn't start with who. And many of you have made resolutions or goals or ideas for this year, and our challenge, my challenge even to myself, is to stop and say, wait a second, God, is this who you want me to be? and what you want me to be about this year. Good intention. Oftentimes, though, 
in the wrong direction. We start in the right place, but we ask the wrong question. Not what is this year going to be about, but who, God, have you already created me to be? We see a great uh, moment like this in the scriptures where Jesus is encountered with someone who has good intentions, but in the wrong direction. So he has the right kind of desire, the right idea, but he's asking the wrong question. And I love the way that Jesus lovingly leads him because that's what he's about to do with us here tonight, to lovingly lead us into the right direction. So if you have a Bible, open to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. We're going to look at this whole idea of who before what. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And this is an interaction where Jesus has been doing a lot of teaching He's been interacting a lot with people who are totally outside of the religious system. He's been interacting with people who are marginalized, who are outcasts, the sick, the rejected, the neglected, the under-resourced, the overlooked of society. But at the same time, he is interacting with the religious leaders, the power brokers of the day. And those interactions don't always go as nicely and and neatly as the ones he does with the outcasts and the overlooked. It seems to be that Jesus is much um, more comfortable with sinners than he is with religious people. And so here we have an interaction with Jesus and some religious people. And there's a guy that's kind of spying in on Mark chapter 12, verse 28. He's sort of listening in on what Jesus is saying. And he's realizing that Jesus has skills. Like He's like, okay, okay he's smart. Okay, that was good. Okay, so he's kind of like listening to him sort of the, the, what Jesus is teaching. He's going, okay, 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 I like what he's doing. So we're going to peek in on this conversation where someone comes with a good intention in the wrong direction. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. One of the teachers of the law, so this is a religious leader of the day, came and heard these religious leaders debating with Jesus. And he noticed that Jesus had given them a good answer, which is very important in that culture. Rhetoric and and that sort of uh, Socratic dialogue was very, very, very important in that day. And so he noticed that Jesus had given a good answer. And and so he wanted to ask Jesus a good question. So this is what he asked him. He says, Jesus, of all the commandments... Which is the most important? Let's stop right there. Let's not move forward. Of all the commandments, which one is the most important? Now, I believe there's good intention here. I just think he asked the wrong question. Because what's the question that he's really asking here, if you were to really boil it down? What's he asking here? It's kind of like, what do I have to do? Right? Like, if you just kind of give me the bottom line. Sum it up for me. Honestly, like, Gene and I worked for years with high school students and middle school students, and the question basically that they always asked was, how far is too far? Like, when it comes to the opposite sex, right? Like, just, I don't, I don't want to hear about all that. Just tell me, how far is too far? Like, I just need to know. I don't want to care. I don't care about all this stuff. Lots of times, you know, people talk about having a, a plan for your finances, and they, they sort of talk about, look, you should, you should save 10, you should give 10 back to God, and then the 80 live off of. But no one talks about what you're supposed to do with the 80, Right? People just want to know, kind of, give me the bottom line numbers, and I'll sort of figure it out from there. I just want to know the, the bottom line. And so that's what this guy is asking Jesus. He's saying, look, just kind of tell me what the most important one is, right? Just so I can kind of sort of know where I'm at with things. And what Jesus does is really interesting. Jesus takes what I think there is some good intention here, and he redirects it. Jesus says this in Mark 12, 29. He says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. In verse 31, Jesus goes on. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Let's just kind of live in that passage here for a minute. He says, what's the, what's the most important one? Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you the most important one. It is hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, what is Jesus doing in this moment? 
Jesus is actually doing a little sampling. Jesus is sort of taking, he's going back to what was already known, and he's going back to a prayer that every Jewish person knew from the time they could speak. This was the first passage, the first verse, the first prayer that was memorized. It's a prayer called the Shema. The Shema. This is a central prayer of the Jewish faith. It's a very central prayer. And Jesus goes, okay, you want to know what sort of the most important one is? Well, it comes out of Deuteronomy 6. It's this. You already know it. You're asking me a question that you already know the answer to. It is love. Or he goes, sorry, it starts with, hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Now, that's where the Shema prayer starts. The reason that is so important is because in that time, there were many religions that had many, 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 many gods. In fact, this idea of one God was very foreign to most religions of the day. Most religions of the day were polytheistic, multiple gods, and multiple levels of what each of those gods does. There was a god for finances and wealth. There was a god for fertility. There was a god for crops. There was a god to help your kid who has a runny nose. There was a god. There's gods for every level, and there was idols all over the place, and you had to, I mean, it was a very, it's like the periodic table of elements of gods. There was a lot of gods to learn and to keep straight. And so what God was teaching his people in this space is, I am one. I am one. Of all these false gods, I am one and the one. And you think about what that meant in that culture. Not a lot's changed in our day. Because we have the God of finances and money still, don't we? We have the God of career. We have the God of our relationships. We have the God of sort of where we live and how we're doing compared to our brothers, sisters, friends, coworkers, whatever. We, we have so many, the gods of distraction, gods of, you know, relaxation and play, toys, all of it. We have just as many gods in our culture today. And so this prayer is so important to say, look, if you want to know what the most important commandment is, you start by saying God is one. And he is the one. He is the Lord. That's where the Shema prayer starts. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is one. That's who God is. But then the Shema goes into another level, says, now here's who you are. You are actually an individual created as complex. In a sense, you know, God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You are actually, there are multiple parts to who you are. There's actually a heart, soul, mind, strength, all of these elements make up who you are, but you too are one. All of those brought together to be one, to love God for all of who he is from all of who you are. Did you get that? That's what the Shema prayer is teaching. What Jesus takes this guy all the way back to, to the central prayer that every Jewish boy and girl knew, prayed twice daily, stuck and hung on every syllable of every word, soaking every ounce of this truth in, was this truth. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one, and so are you. So love God for all of who he is from all of who you are. Heart, soul, mind, strength. There are multiple complex pieces to who you are, but there is a picture. There is a oneness that God has created you for, that God has actually created you from, because it reflects who he is. The guy wants to know, just, just tell me kind of what the one big thing is that I got to do. And Jesus says, okay, I'm going to tell you the biggest thing. 
God and all of who he is, love him with all of who you are. Oh, and there's one more, Jesus goes on to say. Love your neighbor as yourself. So basically, if you want to sum it up, love all of God from all of who you are and love everyone. (laughs) Basically, that's it. If you want a bumper sticker, there it is. And the guy, you know, they... What's amazing about human nature is you, if you're to read on the passage, he goes on to go, but who is my neighbor? Like, we're always sort of trying to find a way, like, define neighbor. And Jesus is saying, look, I want to make it as simple for you as possible because I believe you have good intention, but it is in the wrong direction. Love God for all of who he is, the complexity of who God is from all of who you are. Heart, soul, mind strength. We are, if nothing else, fractured individuals these days. Our minds, our souls, our bodies so distracted and drawn in a hundred different directions, gazing at, soaking in, taking in a thousand different messages a day, torn between different relationships, different levels of relationships, different ways to manage those relationships, expectations put on us from our past, hopes that we have for our future. We are so often fractured individuals. And the truth that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago is the same way that he is lovingly leading you now to say, you are meant to be whole, heart, soul, mind, strength. And the more you understand who that is, the more you will be able to do exactly what you were created and intended to do. The less you'll have to throw darts at the board of resolutions every year. You go, wait a second, wait a second. If I start with who God already created me to be, then how can I live out of that this next year? How can I look at this next year and look at my life and go, okay, how do I live more from my heart? If God has created me whole, heart, soul, mind, and strength, how then can I, what are my goals? What are my resolutions? How am I going to do from what I already am, what God already created me to be? What is the what that will come from my heart? who? Does that make sense? So if I am created to be heart, that God has actually created me with heart, then what this year am I going to ask God, invite God into to grow me into, not just to set a goal, but to actually grow me when it comes to my heart, my emotions? Forgiveness. Broken relationships. God, what would you have for me to grow in that, in my heart this year? See, that That's different, isn't it, than just going, I want to get out of debt. Getting out of debt's great, but this starts from who God already made you to be. God, from my soul, how can I grow? How do you want to grow me this year from my soul? The places, God, where I know that I run from you, that I reject you, that I close you off. The big questions that I have inside my soul that have kept me at a distance from you. Or, God, how can I open my soul more to you and to others to live more honestly from that place as opposed to the pretense that I put on for everyone else? What does it mean to love God and live this next year from your mind? You think about it. We have never been more distracted and more inundated with messages that come into our mind every day through television, through music we're listening to, through stuff that we see on the internet. It is ubiquitous. Now, I used my mind to say that big word. I want you to know that. I'm not even sure I used it right. But it's overwhelming, isn't it? To think about all that's going in and through and around your thoughts. And for many of us, honestly, when we think about what's going on in our mind, many times it's more about fear, anxiety, 
worry, doubt. That's what occupies our mind. And what if God is inviting you this year to say, well, okay, you could meditate on those. In fact, you're actually really good at meditating on those things. But I want you to meditate on me, on things that are lovely and pure and holy, on God's word, the Bible, to get a Bible and to just sit and meditate. What if your goal for this year, for your mind, was to say, I am going to every day or every other day or how, whatever it is, just saturate my mind with more messages from God's word than I get from the television, from the radio, from the internet. That's, that's different, isn't it? That's a what that comes from a who you already are. When it comes to your strength, your, your body, I mean, that's like losing 10 pounds, 15 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it is, like whatever that is for you, that's great. But when it comes from a place you go, you know, wait a second, God actually created my body and it's actually a masterpiece. It may not look like that to everyone else. I may not think that it is, but the fact that I'm actually taking breath right now, that my lungs are working, that my heart is purifying my blood, that I actually have feeling, sensation, that all this stuff is going on at one time, that's actually a miracle. And I want to, because of who God has created me to be, be responsible with that. That's a totally different motivation than I want to fit into some skinnier jeans. And maybe at the end you will. You see what we're talking about here? Who always comes before what? God, who are you? Who have you created me to be? What is my response this year? What is my response with this life? That's a totally different framework that takes our good intention and points it in the right direction. Now, we could talk about this and, you know, say, like, so remember, you got to have, you know, heart, soul, mind, strength, and if you got that, you write it all down, okay, great, we'll see you next week. But we decided as a church that we are going to stay in this thought and start our year together with this thought of loving God for all of who he is from all of who we are. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to spend time, when we gather here on Sunday nights, living in Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. We're going to camp out on what it means to love God with all of our heart. What does it mean to love God with all of our soul? Love God with all our mind. Love God with all my strength. How will my year and my life be different from starting with who as opposed to what? We're going to do that every week. So I would encourage you to be here. It's so good to be together. So you can be here with us every Sunday night. We're going to teach from God's word about that idea of loving God and loving others from who we are. The other thing that we're going to do, though, that's, that's easy. Like, you can just you can show up, and that, that one's done. You can check that one off your box. But there's other homework that you're going to be a part of. And one of the things that we're going to do together is we're actually going to memorize this passage together. We're going to commit to memory as a church what it means to hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So I'm going to ask that we bring that back up and we're going to read this out loud together. You can go back actually one more, Jess, if you want to, because I want to start with uh, Hero Israel. So we're going to read this out loud like we actually believe it, like it actually has significance or meaning for life. And here is your homework. When you show up here next Sunday, you need to have this memorized. Like, we're going old school. I, you may get a gold star. I'm not exactly sure. We haven't worked out the reward system for this yet. But we believe that this passage is so important to define who we are in light of who God is and what we should do in light of that that we're going to commit it to memory. We're already going to start using our mind. Does that make sense? So we're going to read this out loud like we actually believe. We'll start with, Hear, O Israel. So I'm even going to let you like skip the first couple words. You can even memorize that. We'll start with, Hear, O Israel. All right? Let's say it together out loud like we believe it. Hear, O Israel. 
The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Moving on. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Moving on. You're not done yet. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. All right, so that's your first time. You show up here next week, no slides. You got to know that, okay? So write it down, write it down. We're going to commit that verse to memory. Hear, O Israel, the Shema, this ancient prayer that's been prayed for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, we at Soul City Church are going to commit to putting that at the center of our lives this year, okay? Love the Lord your God from all of who you are for all of who he is. And then the last thing is this, and I think this is really fun. Last thing is this. We are going to take a 28-day challenge together as a church to literally have a resolution revolution, to flip the script and start with who before what. And we're going to take a challenge every day of this month for the rest of the month moving forward. Every day, you are going to be given a challenge. We're all going to be doing it together, same challenge every day, to literally try and devote our lives and our attention to loving God more with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so this is what I want you to do. Lots of times in church, you're told, like, put your phone away, turn it off, maybe don't take a call. I'll never forget one time, this is so awesome. I was in the middle of, like, doing a sermon, and there's a guy, like, two rows back whose phone rang. That happens in church, right? Sometimes everyone's embarrassed. There's a big scuffle to find out who it is. He took the call. It was absolutely amazing. And so I'm, we're not that far. And he's two rows away. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm at church right now. Yeah, it's good. It's good. And I'm literally like, I felt like I should stop to let him finish. It was, ab- it was a bold move. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your phone out right now. So everyone take your phone out. It's okay. You can take your phone out. Because we're going to give you a number to text right now. And by texting this number, it's going to give you a morning challenge every day this month. Every day this month, this, you're going to get a challenge in the morning to do. And it's going to link back to our blog. We're going to put it on Twitter. We're going to put it on Facebook. We're going to put it everywhere we can. But you will get a text every morning. So here's what you want you to do. Like right now, everyone needs to text the number 313131. And all you need to put for the message is the word Soul City. All one word, Soul City. Soul City. S-O-U-L-C-A-T-Y. We got that. 313131. You do that right now. Sign yourself up, put the word Soul City on there, and you will receive a challenge every morning this month. And the cool thing is this. It's going to be like this mission that we're on together to really actually begin to live from who before what. To really actually begin to live from our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. Did you get it work? Did you guys get it? Did you get your little message back? Sweet. Isn't that awesome? Technology. you got to love it. In the old days, they'd have to send a telegraph to every one of you. That'd just be weird. So now we get to do this. This is going to be our challenge every day. I'd encourage you to write it down, to invite other friends to be a part. It's free. You don't have to worry about that. Like, well, I mean, standard text messaging rate supply. But outside of that, it's free. And the cool thing is this. Like, you know that some of these are going to be right into your sweet spot. And you're like, yep, I love doing that. I was already going to do that anyway. Some of these are going to be a real challenge for some of you. And the cool thing is this. You're going to be on this mission with a bunch of other people. Some of them you know, some of them you may not know yet. And it's just a cool thing to know that this resolution thing, like so often the reason that it gets so frustrating is we try and bank it all on one time of year and we bank it all on our own efforts. We say, okay, I have to do these things this year. And lots of times the reason we also run around is because we're trying to do it all by ourselves. 
We haven't invited God in, and we haven't invited others in as well. And so this is a cool thing. These little challenges are going to be something that all of us are going to be taking at Soul City Church, all throughout the city, all throughout surrounding parts of the city, the same day, moving forward every day. I would encourage you to make the 28-day challenge for Resolution Revolution this month. And let's see what God does. Let's see how he changes our church. Let's see how he changes our city because of this. He changes this year. So much so that we don't just make goals and resolutions, but we actually see growth and transformation. Because that's why we started this church, you guys. We just feel fundamentally at the core of it all, the reason that God sent his son Jesus is so that you can have a relationship with him. And that relationship is not one of stagnation, but transformation. Where it's not normal to stay the same. That anyone who's in a relationship with God is a new creation attached to the living waters, the vine of Jesus, and growth is normal. And we believe that at this church. We've said it from the very beginning. We want Soul City Church to be a place where everyone is accepted. Everyone is accepted. No matter your past, no matter your preference, no matter your whatever thing you can think of that we would put a wall up against you, we are creating a space where Everyone is accepted, but everyone is expected to grow. Everyone's accepted, but every one of us is expected to grow. Growth is normal in relationship with God. It is the norm. And we said when we started this church, we said, man, we don't want to just be a church that does well on Sunday. And I believe we do. I I love our church. I love getting together like this. We said, you know what? We want to be a church that's better seven days a week. We want to be the church better on different days in different ways all throughout the week than just when we gather on Sunday. And you heard Jeannie talk about the Christmas store, how awesome that is, and what's happening starting tomorrow with our Transform Fitness and Yoga Center. I mean, it's happening here in this church. It's amazing. I'm not doing it, but it's amazing. <laughs> I'm proud of those who are. I pray for you every time you're here at 6 in the morning doing yoga. And you look at that, and I go, that's just the tip of the iceberg. And this challenge to us is just another one of those ways. What if we're actually gathering together every day of this month without actually physically being together? Isn't that cool? That we can do that? That we can actually be the church without physically being together in the same space? Well, that's, like, that's the heart of what we're trying to do at Soul City Church. That we would see people be led into a transforming relationship with God. Our friends, our family, our coworkers, ourselves. Led into a transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. That is what is at the center of our church. And that's why I love where we're heading for the next four weeks. So next week, we're going to dive into what it means to love God with all of your heart, your emotions, all of what's going on inside that stuff that maybe at times is hard to understand or verbalize. We're going to dive into God's word to see why he gave us these emotions and how we can love him and others with them. So I hope you take the challenge. Commit the verse to memory. And I want to take a few moments right now to just pray together. I'm going to invite the band to come up and they're going to lead us in a time of worship and response to God and surrender to God. But I want you just to stop for a second. We've talked a lot from God's word. We've talked a lot about loving a God who is one and who's created us to be one and complete. So let's just take a second and pray towards that end right now. So I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd close your eyes just because of distractions to kind of keep distraction away and just think about what you thought this year was going to be about. You just think about 2011. What, were some, what are some of the hopes or dreams, desires, intentions 
that you have. And what would it look for you right now? What would it look like for you to say, okay, God, I surrender all of those things for all of who you are. God, those may be right things. There may be good things in there, God, but I want to lay those down and say, God, who are you? Who have you created me to be? And what do you want me to do from that? What would it look like for you just to look ahead, in your mind, imagine 2011 and go, okay, God, who, who are you creating me to be, growing me to be, transforming me into? And what will that look like? And actually pray a big and bold and audacious prayer that patterns of sin would actually be broken this year, not by your own strength, but by the power of God. That you actually would trust God with your finances this year. That you would believe in your mind and you would look at your life and see how blessed you are by God. And that that response would come freely and joyfully this year. That you would treat your body with the respect and honor that God deserves because of how he created you. Like what if actually this year the motivation was different? It was in response to God, not in response to what society tells you you're supposed to look like. I want you just to take a second in your own words and surrender to God. God, this year I open up, I clear the books and say, God, who do you want me to be? Who have you already created me to be? And what is my response to you now? your help. We need you. Your who comes before ours. We need you. We long to be who you intended and created us to be, to see the bigger picture, God, of how you see us. And God, we don't want to waste another year. We don't want to fumble and stumble around another year, God. We want to be exactly at the center of who you are and who you created us to be. God, I can't imagine I, I desire, I, will, I long for that, God, for me, for my friends here, and for others around us to see, God, that we would surrender and lay down all the stuff, good things, bad things, we would lay it all down and start with, God, who you want us to be. We open ourselves to you. We surrender ourselves to you. We trust you, God, because you love us. You love us. You love us. You love us, God. And so it's in your name, by faith, that we pray. Amen.